Welcome to the Crazy Cool Family Podcast with Don and Suzanne Manning. Parents, what if we could give you the power to transform your family into something absolutely amazing? A family where everyone is healthy, gets along, loves Jesus, and has great purpose in life. Hey, let us flip your thinking to unlock the power God has given you to create your own Crazy Cool Family. We've got a great topic for you today, how to correct correctly. What do you do when your kid's being a brat? That's really the bottom line we're going to talk about today. How to keep your kid <laughs> from being a brat. How about that? Nobody wants their kid to be a brat, right? <laughs> well, and and so often and when we talk about relational parenting, uh, parents come up to us and say, hey, how do I keep my three-year-old from being a brat? I've got to have control. And and we agree with that. I mean, we For totally sure. agree. We mm-hmm. don't want your kids to be out of control because, hey, parents, nobody likes your kids when they're a brat. I mean, when they're throwing a fit, and exactly. you know, in the middle of the restaurant or in the nursery or wherever it is. But yet, you know, God still wants us to be relational, even at these younger ages. So we're going to uh, talk about some things about how to correct your child correctly how to Mm -hmm. do it and still maintain the relationship being firm being and having high standards for your kids you know we were talking about this as we were preparing for the podcast and Suzanne we were talking about how our kids especially as we got more into parenting more into the relational aspects of things we just don't remember especially our boys and if you remember us we have older girls and younger boys right we don't remember our our last kids throwing near the fits that the other ones did. And, it's, right. and, you know, why do you think that was? Well, I think that it kind of clicked with us. And I think that we started understanding what was the motivation behind the fits. And so we could actually stop the the fit, the the disobedience, the, the anger, whatever was coming our way, we could actually diffuse it on the front end because we had invested relationally. Well, with and them. parents... Another point that comes with that is sometimes, parents, you're the one that's causing the fit. I hate to be the uh, oh, that bearer for sure of bad was news. me in the beginning with the girls. I mean, I was I was a great example of what a fit thrower can and should do. A great example, <laughs> exactly. And so they did that as well. And when I when we realized, oh, that's that looks like me. <laughs> or maybe it's things where we're being too controlling. I know that was my and issue. And so it's frustrating. And for so them. I was frustrating my, my older kids when, when they were. I was ex- exasperating them, and so uh, they would have no option but to throw a fit. It would just turn them into an emotional basket case. And so one of the things I learned is how to. And this, it goes to the first thing we're going to talk about: how to pick your spots. Because, you know, there is a uh, there's a time and a place for everything because, you know, when when you look at your child as you pick your spots, two things you want to understand. One of them is is childishness versus foolishness. And Suzanne, you're really good at explaining that. Why don't you tell them about it? Right. Well, so um, childishness is just that like a child doesn't know what they don't know. An example that I was thinking about is like Bash and Truett, our little grandsons right now. They are they're one year old, right? About. Yeah, and they are opening every cabinet, every drawer, and they are exploring. Well, they're not doing it to be disobedient. They're not doing it to even be foolish, which is the other side of childishness, foolishness. They are doing it because it's an adventure. It's new. It's exciting. They're learning. They're they're training their brains to what goes in cabinets and drawers and all that stuff. And so for me to turn around and say to them, "Don't open." that drawer you know 
that's actually correcting them in a place that they actually don't need to be corrected. They need to, what you do there is that you, when it comes to childishness, knowing your spots and knowing where to do that is you show them and you teach them, this is the cabinet, this has dishes in it. This is where mommy, you know, gets her pots and pans to cook with. And so you show them and you teach them in the areas of childishness. It was so funny today. We were, um, we were, we had, um, Sebastian, our, one of our grandchildren over and, um, and we were just playing with him and stuff. And then we got into kind of a business discussion, you know, where we kind of moved into more productive mode, if you will. And he was sitting on the floor and all of a sudden he just got flustered a little bit, you know, because it, and it didn't have anything to do with him. All we did, and it was really me more than Suzanne. Well, because Don just has an intense tone of voice when he's talking about business, which has made him be a successful businessman. But when you've got a 10-month-old in the room, they don't understand. And he just all of a sudden changed his whole countenance. <laughs> he would and go, it, <laughs> yeah, he would. And he'd shake his head no. Yeah, and it was so funny because we were like, you know, we were like, Sebastian, it's not about you. But it just goes to show you that. When you parents, we have a lot of power over whether our kids throw fits or not. And it's not just our example, but it's our tone. It's choosing. And and it goes into the first thing we're talking about, picking your spots. Well, and so before you go into that thing right there, I do want to go back and talk about foolishness for just a minute and explain the opposite. So childishness and foolishness that goes when you're picking your spots. A foolishness is when a child knows the rules and he chooses to break them. You know, for example, let's say you've told the child you can ha- only have two cookies and they eat five or they or they sneak five or they or they eat five and then they lie about it. And so that's the parts we're talking about when we say pick your spots. And so the, the childish spots, those are the places where you're going to train them and you're going to show them and you're going to teach them. But the foolish spots, that's the open door for you to correct your child. And that's what we want to talk about now. So when we talk about picking your spots, there's two things to know when to correct your child. And so the, you know, the first one's pick to pick your spots. And then the next one's to know your child, but let's talk about pick your spots. Yeah. So one of the things parents you can do is really talk about this with your, with your spouse mm-hmm. and say, what are we going to, what are we going to fall on our sword on? You know I mean? Um, and really, and so often we expect things of kids that are not age appropriate. Um, and, and we expect yeah. the three-year-old to be able to fully clean their room, or we expect the seven-year-old to, you know, be organized in his schoolwork or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so often it's just, you know, and, and, and organized maybe to the level of where maybe a high school student should be or something, because that's where we are or whatever that is. And, you know, so often picking our spots means is just deciding what you're going to, if you're going to do everything, then chances are you're going to have a child that's going to feel beaten down that's by good. all the pressures of, mm-hmm. of the parents. Yeah. And so what you do when you pick your spots, what it does is it gives value and weight when actual correction is needed. If you're like Don talks about the, the discipline hammer all the time. And if you're going to bang absolutely everything, everything that the child does, they didn't put their shoes on right. They didn't put their pillow on their bed. They didn't put their cereal on the sink. They didn't, if you're going to bang every single thing, then you are going to have a child that's beaten down. That's frustrated. That feels controlled all the time. And here's the deal. When it comes to correcting them on the things that really matter to them, it sounds like all the other corrections, 
And so yeah. it's just, it's just, it's blank to them because there's so many that's coming at them. And so when you pick and choose the ones that are most important to you, then those actually have weight. Those are valuable and your kids are going to respect those. Yeah. So for example, um, you know, in our house, for me in particular, lying was a big deal that yeah. I wanted my kids to be honest. And so I would make sure that they, you know, one of the things that was really big to me is you, you never talked bad to mom, you know I mean? And you would, you know, you, you didn't bow up to the queen. You, you just, you made sure that if, if, especially when the boys got old, you know, got to be a little bit older or, or, you know, the girls, they didn't get to scream at mom. It would be, you know, or really one, another one was, is you didn't get to scream at your brother or sister either. You know, those were things that came there, but, but on, you know, and I really learned a lot of this from you, Suzanne, is that it was okay when they spilled something. Right. And so, yes, yeah, exactly. And so I wanted to just go back to your the, the lying part because I want to clarify the reason that we thought that that was such a big deal is because lying tears the relationship up. And that's the goal between the parent and the child. And the, we want to build trust and truth builds trust. That's the most important thing we can do. We want to completely trust our child. And it's really hard to do that when they're a liar. And so just know that that, I mean, so that's, I loved it that that was a, that was a big one for Don. I mean, that was a, that was a, an offense that got a huge correction on that. It, um, and so that was, that was a really big one. And then, um, and then you, you mentioned a little bit like disrespect and I, we'll talk about that in a little, in a, in a minute, but another one for us was also disobedience that, um, it's so important when our kids are obedient to us because I mean, it's nice for us and it's, and it's, it makes parenting a lot easier and it's, and it's peace. It makes life peaceful. But reality is parents, when we teach our kids to be obedient to us, what they're doing is they're practicing being obedient to an unseen God. And that is the most valuable thing we can do. So that's what, when we talk about, there's a couple example spots that you want to correct your kids on. Like Don said, get together with your spouse and talk about those things, figure out the consequences on the front end. And so you're not having to think them up in the moment. And those are going to be your spots of correction. And then like Don was saying, the, the spots that don't need correction, the spill, the break, making a mess, if they're being convenienced you, if they're being slow to act, I don't know about you, but little kids just seem to take forever to put their shoes on and gather their things. Yeah, it really bugs me when a parent is always on their kid about saying please and thank you and all so the things that, that yes I mean it, it's and the parents we do want our kids to say please and thank you but and you get into this endless correction cycle mm -hmm. and, and that and the kid just feels like they never do anything right and and really what you're doing is you're training your kid to withdraw mm -hmm. you're training your kid to be shy you're training your kid to because Man, every time they step out, they're doing something wrong. And so, so you you know, it's it's uh, part of picking your spots is just um, is really just letting them. It's funny. I used to I've used this example a lot is when I first started parenting, my kids would say, shut up. And I would say, don't say shut up. And they would keep saying shut up. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, my kids are dumb, you know, because <laughs> I don't there. They keep doing this. And uh, but one day. They just didn't say shut up anymore. It became, right. it was something that we held to. And, and 
but but over time it just I don't know when it happened but it didn't it just happened sometimes but it taught me that it takes a while for kids to learn things and if I'm always on them mm-hmm. I'm going to make them I'm going to turn them into I'm going to turn them into fearful of me I'm going to make them think that I'm always disapproving of them mm-hmm. and that's going to damage the relationship so pick the things and so I did want to uh, on the backup on or with that um, saying please and thank you by all means you do want your child to say please and thank you very very important but not in front of the person that they're saying it to let them have ownership and so how we would do that is either Don or I would say please or thank you like one of my very favorite things Don would do is after a sporting event he would watch it walk up to the coach if he wasn't coaching them (laughs) and shake their hand and say thank you you know thank you for coaching the you know team today and my kids saw that and without him ever telling them you need to thank your coach they started doing that so our example of please and thank you works but also if you really want to take it to the next level, then when you get in the car, tell your child, hey, buddy, I think it'd be a great idea. What do you think it'd be a great idea to tell your coach, you know, thank you. Um, And so just use those moments because once again, that is building relationship. You're inviting them in to your thought processes without telling them what to do. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's really just not caring about some things as well. You know, it's that uh, we, we just find that, you know, you, you don't want to have a kid that's lazy. You don't want to have a kid that is, um, um, that's not doing what they need to do, but how you get there is going to be really critical and, and learning to pick your spots, learning to give them some rope, uh, learning to how to encourage them and be an example for them are things that can help you not have to correct nearly as much. Because well, isn't, isn't that a great goal to not have to correct? Oh, for sure. Nobody I mean, likes to be corrected. I don't like to be corrected. I don't like to correct either. I don't really, <laughs> yes. I don't like to have to go in and go do this and you're not doing that or whatever. You'd so rather I mean, just do it. Well, or I'd rather them, you know, I'd rather just have the relationship with them because ultimately their performance is not as important as relationship. That's one of the things I really had to learn as a parent. And, and it relates to the second thing we were going to talk about, which is correction can be minimized when you know your child. And who is better to know them but the parent that God has given them? <laughs> I mean, they're half you, they're half your, they're, they're, they're half you, they're half your spouse, half your, their father. And so you are very intimately wound to know your child. You know, is your child particularly sensitive? Is your child tender hearted? Is your child, uh, is your child more playful, more like a jokester type? You know, what is the intent of what they're doing when you can see past their behavior to what their intentions are and their personality, it really helps you learn how to correct your child. Yeah, and so I just call those strengths. Like if you have a child that is tenderhearted, I call that a strength. Macy was one of our kids that was so tenderhearted. And as soon as we figured that out, then we were able, we had to parent her a completely different way. We couldn't come down hard on her. Then we did say Madeline, her older sister, who was much more free-spirited, much more confident, much more, you well, know, straight out to the there. point, just yeah. shoot and tell me what I did wrong. Tell me how to fix it like that. But with Macy, you had to be tender because she was tender hearted. And a little bit with her would go a long way. Well, because she was so hard on herself. She's mm-hmm. a perfectionist. And so she was beating herself up way more than we would ever have beat her up with our correction. And so we didn't even need to correct her hardly because she knew what she had done wrong and she felt terrible about it. And so for us to heap more onto it didn't help her at all. It actually tore her down. 
And another one is that, you know, if you're another strength that your child would have is if they are teachable. And that is my favorite strength of a child, because if your child is teachable, then that's when you go in with the why. And we have a whole course on, you know, it's, it's in the why we have on, on discipline in your kids, but there's a whole little section on life is in the why. And it just talks about if you can tell your kids what's going on and why that that's happening, why they need to say please or thank you, or why they need to brush their teeth or wear their shoes outside then if you've got it if their strength is teachable then you're going to win them over they're going to want to do that because you've taught them the reason and they're going to want to do it and parents i don't care what your child is what personality type there are or whatever's happening you don't ever get the right to be harsh with them if you're harsh with them it's going to damage the relationship every time and it's not effective i mean it's effective in the short term it's not effective in the long term i mean you can even use you can even use laughter in the correction and it, oh especially if you've got like a jokester we've got some friends who have a little boy that he's just the biggest ham ever and she just gets on the he gets on the mom's very last nerve sometimes because he's just being such a ham and so the mom has started she was telling me just the other night that she has started using humor with him and it has gone miles you know if he makes a giant mess then she'll say something along the lines of well Apparently you like cleaning up messes or else you wouldn't have made this giant mess. You know, just something that makes him laugh or man, I wish beds could make themselves, but God didn't design it that way. So you better start practicing it because I know that God wants you to be the best bed maker in the world. And so using some humor in that, if you've got that plate, because a lot of the times what happens is parents get frustrated with that jokester child because they're not a jokester. They don't resonate with that. And so they haven't embraced and cho you know, chosen to get see that as a strength. And so they get onto the child or they correct the child to quit. This isn't a joke. We're not playing around right now. We're not having fun right now. Okay, kids are wired to have fun. What if you backed off and did have some fun? Yeah, yeah, and and your attitude, parents, is so you know so often. I think we, as I said before, we create more of the fits than we stop because mm -hmm. of our attitudes and because of you know just we're so frustrated ourselves. And so it goes back to our first commitment is to pursue God, to learn how to approach situations and see it from the child's perspective. But you know sometimes you got kids that are just sneaky or manipulative or you know where you know we have kids that have we, we have kids that have flaws i know we all think our kids are perfect but but they're not and especially when they're home and especially when they're with us and they don't do things and sometimes they're actually have evil intent <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah no and i think that the weaknesses are just as powerful as the strengths i mean they the in powerful in that they are opportunities for us as parents to connect and to relate with our kids i mean we all have our weaknesses we have our thorns if you will and so what is it that we're going to do in those weaknesses and so we've talked to parents before that they just said that my child is so manipulative and and what do you do with a manipulative child and um, maybe and also maybe disrespectful or something where they are also, you know, maybe they're they're manipulative in that they can turn a fit on, you know, the three year old who can turn a fit on just like that. And, you know, it's not an emotional fit. You know, it's to get what they want. Exactly. Or they're lying to get what they want or mm -hmm. they, you know, they're so maybe it's an older kid and they just tell their version of the truth and it leaves out the details that you know are there that are, you know, condemning to them or whatever. Yeah. And so kids use manipulation and um, they use their emotions to manipulate. Like you said, Don, they cry, they throw fits, they're angry, slam doors, or they manipulate to be in control. 
And so as parents, how we step in, I mean, this is definitely an area where you want to correct. This is an area that you get to speak into your child's life. And so what does that look like? Well, for us, we called it out. Dude, you're manipulating the situation. You are throwing a fit to get what you want. And we would not give them what they wanted. Do not ever reward manipulation. Call it out. Do not reward it. Um, and if they're wanting to, to, to control a situation and something that's going on, let's say that maybe it's, it's bedtime and they're throwing a fit or they're, they're ruling the roost when it comes to bedtime, then you need to say, okay, here's the deal. You are manipulating bedtime and we are not going to do that anymore. You are a child and you need to go to bed and you can give them hope for the future. Someday you're going to own a house and you're going to buy the groceries and you're going to cook dinner and you're going to pay the bills and you're going to do all these things. And guess what? then you can go to bed whenever you want. But right now you have to go to bed so that you can grow to be that an adult. And so you just call it out and tell them, this is what you're doing and this is why you're not going to do it. And then you put your consequence in there. I mean, what consequence that you and your spouse choose to do when that child's not going to bed. Yeah. And that's a time to remove privileges and to do things that will take away, you know, if, if I'm sorry, if you're going to throw a fit where we can't read stories tonight when we go to bed, you know, if you can't click, if you're going to throw a fit about clean your room before we go to bed, then, and, and be firm with it. It's okay. If they are, are devastated for a night, you know, they, that's that you're creating a little adversity so that they will change their behavior. And that's a good thing. Yeah. And so that goes along with like maybe being sneaky. Like we had Molly when she was a little girl and she was um, sneaky about brushing her teeth. Do you remember that? I think we've oh, told yeah. the story a dozen times and yeah. she even told us later, which we didn't, we, she told us later, much later that she would just get her toothbrush wet and we would think she was brushing her teeth. Um, but to know that, okay, back to the removing the privileges, you don't get to brush your teeth. In, alone now, like a parent's going to have to be in there with you. Somebody's going to have to hold you accountable. I mean, and then another thing that we would do, especially when it comes to sneaky, is to step in and to educate them. Um, we took her to the dentist and, sh- and and had the dentist tell her how valuable it was. We showed her pictures of rotten teeth and so that she wouldn't be sneaky with that. And so sneakiness um, is is the same thing as manipulation. You have to bring it into the light. You have to call it what it is. You're being sneaky. That was sneaky that you hid that in your room. That was sneaky that you took that from your brother. And then yeah, you remove yeah. it. You don't, you don't get to play with this anymore because you did that. Yeah, and another one is that's, uh, that's along those lines is disrespectful tones and things like that. I just, I don't know how we did it necessarily, but I do know that, I don't know everything we did, but our kids just don't talk mean to each other and and they don't talk mean to us. Yeah. You said that though, in the beginning though, you wouldn't allow it. You wouldn't allow them to talk to me disrespectfully. Well, and I think we didn't do it to each other. Right. You and and I didn't didn't do it to each other. And we didn't do it to them. I mean, there's so many times that I hear parents maybe talking rudely to their children and then their children turn right around with the exact same tone, exact same inflection and say it to the parent. And then the parent's like, don't be rude to me. Don't, don't be disrespectful. Yeah. And it's like, well, you just <laughs> set the, the you language set the we example. were speaking. Yeah, yeah exactly. I thought that's what we were doing. So yeah. with our kids, I would just tell them you're, you're being rude. I would call it for what it is. That's, that's rude. You're saying that rude. And I remember saying it several times. I said, 
it it makes my heart beat fast when you talk to me like that. It stresses me out. It hurts my feelings when you talk to me like that because it does. I mean, it, it flustered me when they did. And I, then I would say, I don't talk to you that way and I won't talk to you that way. And if I ever do talk to you that way, please say, mom, you're talking rude to me because I want to be accountable too. And so now we've raised the standard instead of us talking at each other, we're talking to each other and we're talking and, for each and other. And dads, I, I'm, and maybe moms too, but I know that I, I know a lot of guys that have this issue that I, that I minister to, but um, you know, we tend to talk a certain way in the workplace and then um, we come home and we, you know, we have a lot of those same tone of voice and especially with daughters, you know, I just found that, my tone of voice was, they they would just go, oh, dad's mad. I'm like, I am not mad. Why does everybody think I'm mad? What's your tone of voice? Oh my goodness. This drives, but, but I had to learn that, um, I was carrying a tone that, uh, was, was doing that. What Suzanne said, it was harming people. And and Mm -hmm. I had to change that tone in order to, I, you know, I could keep it that way, but it just was beating my kids up, especially my daughters. And so, tone is a lot you, you don't get to be a if you're a yeller you're angry a lot guess what you're going to create an environment where your kids are going to be angry they're going to yell and scream and, and exactly. you're not going to like it mm-hmm. so if it's again it, it kind of starts with us so it, I think as we wrap up here I want to tell parents so much is that what I've learned over the years if you would have seen us when especially me when well I guess both of us as I think about it but oh, when we sure. were the yes. first five years of you know seven years of parenting very we we, we were very impatient we yelled a lot we and and we consequently got kids that threw fits mm-hmm. but but we learned maybe in that last half of the first decade into the second decade that hey we got to know our child hey we got to pick our spots mm-hmm. hey we got to change our tone and guess what we created a culture in our home where fits don't get thrown. Fits didn't get thrown. I mean, and now it's interesting watching our daughters do it with their, uh, and their husbands with their, with their, these little one-year-olds and they're teaching them, you know, they're creating an environment where those one, those kids are not going to throw fits. I think, I think we're going to see that. Well, and they're, I mean, they're creating an environment where they know when to correct and when to not, you know, not to pick on them and, and tear them down with all the little corrections, but to pick their spots. And we're seeing our parents that we're training the same way is that they're coming to us and going, you know, my kid used to throw fits all the time and now it doesn't happen as much anymore. Did the kid change? Maybe yes, but also really what happened was the parent changed. Uh-huh. And so um, we need to, and, and really let's, let's finish up as we, as we wrap up with, you know, some parents will say, oh, well, this doesn't work for me because my child is strong willed and they're going to be the ones that, you know, overpower me. Guess what? I just think strong willed kids get a bad rap. I mean, I really do. I think that parents um, maybe buckle to the strong will or they try to control the strong will. Um, but that's not at all. But really, I would change that word to. We need to channel their strong oh, will, that's good. and we yes. need to. We instead of and we need to instead of making it against us, let's make it for them and for us, mm-hmm. and figure out how to do the things we're talking about. As you pick your spots, as you get to know your child, and you educate them, you will start to channel their strong will. And 
Stronghold ch children are great because they're going to change the world. They're going to go and they're, they always say, give me kids with energy. Don't give me deadhead kids because, <laughs> because I want kids with energy because they're going to have life and they're going to be fun. That's but good. they're also, they also take some work. So, that's good. so, Hey parents, as you, as we wrap up here, just remember that, um, man, so much of how you correct your child is about you and you can make a lot less fits happen in your home with the way you approach your child by picking your spots, by getting to know them, by educating them. And then when it's necessary, coming down hard on them and making sure that everything is in order, standing up for what you believe in for your family. Any final words, Suzanne? No, I just want to just encourage you to take some time to pay attention to what your child's strengths and weaknesses are and correct out of those. You know, find those places where there are weaknesses and correct those places um, through their strengths and how that they learn best. When you do that, you're going to build relationships with them. You're going to make those connections and it's going to make the, the connection that you have with each other so strong and so sweet. So hopefully we've helped you in stopping fits in your home and having to get your kid not be a brat and, yes. and how to correct correctly. Go be crazy parents, crazycoolfamily.com.